Welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, to be the Purpose Lawyer. Thank you for listening and thank you for helping me be on purpose. Okay, guys, welcome to another episode. Guess what? Somebody's book is out, hot off the presses. <laughs> you guys can get it. It's called You're Richer Than You Think by Sabine K. Franco. That's me. It's a step-by-step guide to building a lasting financial legacy for you and your family. So I kind of take you through in this book um, just all of the aspects of planning a legacy. We talk about the emotional part. We talk about the impact that you're going to make. We talk about, you know, all the different um, tools that you might use and all the things that might go into having your plan set up and how these, you know, your different assets affect your plan and how they could be using your plan. So please, please go out and get it. It's going to help you. It's going to help your family. And if you're looking to figure out also a copy here. <laughs> if you're if you're looking to figure out how you're going to impact, no, that's not what I wanted to say. If you're looking at how you're going to have a conversation around legacy planning and why it's important, then this book can be a good starter for you. A lot of times people tell me, I don't, I mean, I know um, either I need to plan and, you know, my spouse is not on the same page or um, I need my my family, my parents, my loved ones. I need them to put a plan in place because they're getting older and I don't really know how to have that conversation. So we give you a lot of tools on how to have that conversation and for you to have a full understanding of it so that you could even, you know, be the facilitator of that conversation. So I want you to go out and be the catalyst in your family to make change so that you could change your last name and change the legacy for your family. So definitely pick up the book. I'll put the link in the show notes so that you guys will be able to help um, to just find it easily. All right, let's get into this episode. So last time I talked to you guys about, you know, basically an anatomy of a trust, like all the different things that are in the trust and how, um, you know, why a trust is so, so robust and why are those things important? So this time I kind of want to talk to you about the assets that go into your trust. So w- one of the things I t- touched on before is that, you know, when you when a trust is created for you, um, you sign your trust, your trust needs to be what we call funded, right? And funding just basically means actually putting something in your trust, having your trust actually own something. And also talked about how a trust is kind of like a contract, but you can also think of it um, in this way as a business entity, how your business kind of owns things and contains things and, you know, can contract, can transact business and can, you know, act as if, you know, you would act, right? It has its own identity. So your trust is kind of the same, even though it's like a contract, it also, you know, it's kind of this hybrid type of characteristic, right? And so because your trust needs to own your assets to control them, you know, we have to do this process called funding. And historically, people would create trusts and attorneys would not tell them or educate them that your trust actually has to be funded. And because of that, you know, um, essentially it's like you didn't plan at all, right? Because you created this thing that owns nothing, right? Everything is still in your name. Therefore, your trust kind of cannot really help you. It cannot really, you know, do what it needs to do. And so that is not okay. And so you definitely need to uh, 
take this extra step. Once your, your trust is created, you need to fund it. And what I find is that a lot of people are hesitant with that. They are like, okay, they want to create the trust and, and all that good stuff. But then they're just like, well, why do I have to transfer this stuff? Or we're constantly following up with people saying, hey, we want to make sure that you funded your trust. You know, we want to make sure that you, um, you know, because we ha set up sort of a spreadsheet with all of the client's assets and things like that and statuses on where everything is. And we have them sort of follow through on funding their trust. And so, you know, like the good parents we are, we're following up and making sure that they're doing their funding. And um, I think people get emotional about that aspect of it because we're so used to being so proud of the things that we own, right? We own things in our name. When you see your name on it, you're like, oh, just like I did with my book. I'm like, oh my God, my name is on it. Oh. But <laughs> seriously, it's not so much about having your particular name on something. It's about being able to control your assets and it's about having more um, being able to keep your assets for the long term, right? And so... Uh, Many celebrities, right, because they're so uh, they're so high profile and people are always like trying to find out stuff about them. They own things, but you would never know because they don't own things in their name. Why? Because of privacy and also because of, you know, planning. If they have hopefully they have the right counsel and the right guidance, they're planning and they don't have these assets in their name and that therefore they have this, you know, sort of privacy. But for the trust purpose, the purpose of a trust, I should say, the purpose of not having it in your name is so that your trust can be the one to control it, right? And really, it's your trustee that's going to, you know, have the control over your trust. And um, there are different, you know, strategies and ways we kind of keep your name as private as possible, but this is not what this is really about. Right now, we're talking about funding your trust and how we're going to get those assets that you have into your trust. So different assets are treated differently, right? So typically, like your home, your personal real estate is either going to be in your name or maybe you have it in a business entity if you're an investor or there's other reasons that you've done that. Um, it could be in your name solely. It could be your name and your spouse. I did a whole video on, you know, having your name on a deed and how your deed should be titled and things like that. So you could check that out if you're wanting um, more information on titling your real estate. But typically um, what needs to happen now is once you create a trust, your real estate needs to now be titled in the name of your trust. So that's going to be um, some sort of a transfer. It's either going to be a deed transfer where your trust now is named as the owner of your property on the deed. Or it's going to be if your real estate is in a business entity, then you're going to now, you know, um, transfer that business entity to your trust. So let's talk about before I kind of get deeper into that aspect, let's talk about the two overarching um, ways that you're going to get something into your trust. Right. So one is going to be transfer outright. So you're changing the name, the ownership of it. Totally. It's in the name of your trust. The other way is going to be that your trust becomes the beneficiary of it. And what that means is if something were to happen to you, meaning you pass away, your trust now receives the rights to receive whatever that asset is or now becomes the owner of that asset as the beneficiary. And that is the second way, essentially, that you could transfer. So things that we would transfer into your trust, meaning we change the name totally, is for one, like I stated, the real estate. So Again, you're going to have your real estate. The name is going to be changed by way of deed transfer um, in your particular state, however that's done. And it is going to be changed to the name of your trust. Um, again, if it's in a business entity, then the business is going to be. But I'm going to talk about business entity, so hold off on that. 
Um, so then we have one of the main accounts is, or the main assets is bank accounts. So your bank account now, uh, you want to make sure that you're transferring into the trust. That's the preferred way. You can also make the trust a beneficiary of that bank account. Um, some banks will allow you to do a what's called payable on death account, where if you pass away, it goes directly to whomever that beneficiary is. In this case, we're talking about your trust. So your trust will be that beneficiary. Um, and then some banks do have, you know, where you could just list a beneficiary. It just depends on the institution. And so typically, if you do it that way, you know, um, the, 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 your accounts will still be in your name and they won't be in the trust name. But if something were to happen to you, the trust could take over. Now, the reason why it's better to have it titled in the name of the trust is because you have a trustee in place and your trustee, well, you'll be the trustee. Potentially, you'll be the trustee in the beginning. And we're talking about, I don't want to confuse you, but just as a recap. There are two overarching types of trust. There's a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust. We're not talking about irrevocable trust today. We're just talking about revocable trust. So essentially, if you have a revocable trust, you will typically be the first trustee of that trust. If something happens to you, you can't act or, you know, you pass away, your successor, the person who's there to step in right after you, will be there. So now, if your bank account is titled in the name of the trust, then your successor could step in. So say you're ill, um, you're in hospital or something happened, but you're still alive. Your successor trustee could step in, handle the bank accounts. If the account, uh, if the trust is just the beneficiary and not the owner of the account, then the trustee essentially can't do that as trustee. They need to act by way of power of attorney. So you essentially, when you create an estate plan, if you have a trust, you should definitely at least have a power of attorney. So it may be a different person or maybe the same person as your trustee. Don't want to complicate things for you, but I just wanted to make you understand why I prefer for you to transfer your bank account into the name of the trust, right? So the trust is now the owner of the bank account. So that's just your regular checking, your savings, et cetera. You know, some way that, you know, if someone needs to tap into your liquid cash that they could tap into it for whatever needs that your estate has or you have. Um, so that's your bank accounts. Now, so we talked about real estate, we talked about bank accounts. Now we're talking about investment accounts. So these are the things that you wanna transfer into your trust. So with the investment accounts, same thing. You want your trustee to be able to have that flexibility to step in uh, if you are not able to act. So your trustee can do that if your investment account is titled in the name of the trust. Again, your trust would own the bank account, the investment account, and you would do that transfer by typically any anything that any institution that has investment accounts has an online platform where you can do these things. And so, um, you know, you follow whatever that procedure is. Um, and again, you want your trustee to be able to say you have investments that need to be attended to. You want them to be able to do that and not wait. You know, a lot of people are investing for themselves nowadays. And so we know the stock market is sensitive and you have to kind of keep track of your timeline. So if you're doing that, you want to make sure that one, whomever stepping in is educated and knows what to do. So if they have to act on your behalf or if they need to get a professional advisor or whatever to step in, that you have that information in place, especially if you're an investor, okay? So we talked about those. So we were bank accounts, real estate, investment accounts, all things you're transferring into your trust. Then we have corporate stocks. So if you own a corporation or you um, 
you know, have shares in a corporation. Maybe it's not your corporation, but you have shares, you're a stockholder. Those type of things you want to get retitled into the name of your trust. So now your trust owns the shares of those stock. And if something happens to you, like I said, your trustee can be able to manipulate that as well. Um, then we have membership certificates. So corporate stocks is like corporation. Membership certificates would be the ownership of an LLC. So you want your business entity to now be owned by your trust so that your trustee can continue to uh, deal with that. So again, in the trust, we include language so that your trustee will be able to step into your shoes in whatever capacity. So if you were a business owner, if you were uh, uh, had a seat on a board or whatever, they can step into your capacity. Whether or not they'll be able to stay there depends on what your business documents say, right? However, at least they'll be able to conduct whatever needs to happen in order to transition whatever authority needs to be transitioned, right? I hope I'm not getting too complicated. Um, <laughs> but so you you want that business entity to be owned by the trust so that your trustee could be able to do that, you know, exactly what I said. And so um, that would be a process of drafting some paperwork to transfer your ownership to the trust and also maybe getting some authority. If you have like other owners or things like that, we might have to draft what's called like a resolution or consent to have that um, done. So there's a process there. This sounds like a lot, <laughs> but it's really just taking a few steps to, you know, complete the process of your trust being, you know, fully operational. Don't get overwhelmed with this information, right? It's not to make you feel overwhelmed. It's just to let you know that there's an additional step that needs to be taken. But really, once you the trust is created, you can put these things in place one by one, you know, just the same way you acquired everything that you acquired, you can do this, okay? Please don't get overwhelmed. Um, one of the things I want to touch on is like mineral rights and oil rights. I had a client once that had um, oil rights that they actually inherited from someone. Uh, they, they inherited a property and along with the property had um, oil rights and it was two separate rights, right? It was two separate forms of ownership. So you may have something like that and that actually does need to be transferred to your trust. Again, paperwork is really all that needs to happen, but at least you know it's something that needs to happen. All right. So those are the assets that you may have that you want to actually transfer to your trust so your trust now owns them. Now we're going to talk about some things that can, where your trust can be the beneficiary of. Meaning if you pass away, then your trust receives them. And the even though it's not the preferred method, some of these assets must be done this way, right? So I won't get into the details of that, but just so that you have a high level understanding. So we are already talked about bank accounts, how that's a possibility. You could just make the bank account the beneficiary, the trust, the beneficiary of the bank account. Next asset is retirement accounts. Big one. You cannot necessarily, you cannot change your retirement account. I hate to say things definitively, but generally you cannot change your retirement accounts um, to uh, your trust as the owner because of just the way these accounts are set up. You as the individual needs to remain the owner. And if you are married and you had your spouse, uh, you know, listed, you cannot just take your spouse off. So typically your spouse needs to be the first beneficiary um, if it's, if you already had it set up that way, and then your trust will be the second beneficiary. So that way, if you pass away, your, tr your spouse would get everything 
that's not <laughs> that's not a, a, a me thing or an attorney thing. That is how the law, you know, requires these accounts to go for the most part. And of course, there's tons of different types of retirement accounts. So take that with a grain of salt. They may each have their own rules. Um, uh, but yes, your spouse first and then your trust and then whomever you have listed in your trust to receive those benefits going forward, then they will, you know, receive those benefits going forward. So um, your trustee now will have to do the legwork to now contact the institution, say, hey, this person passed away. Their spouse is also not in the picture. Um, now, you know, as a trustee, I need to collect those funds or have them directed to the trust. Right. Uh, then we have besides, oh, just to clarify, so retirement accounts could be your 401k, your um, IRA, your annuity, those type of things, right? Um, those type of accounts are retirement accounts. Then we have life insurance. Your life insurance, uh, your trust should be made the beneficiary of your life insurance. Now, this is another asset that could also potentially be transferred to your trust. It just sort of depends. And there's a lot of variables, so I don't really want to get into it. Um, but generally, I would say if you already have a life insurance policy, you're going to make the trust the beneficiary. And if you don't, but you want to get a life insurance policy, your trust could then take out that life insurance policy and be the owner of it, right? And there's some other tax saving strategies of why we would even do that um, in the first place. So just keep that in mind. But for your average everyday person with who's not facing a tax issue, and that's somebody who has less than 12.6 million and less uh, on the federal level and less than 5 million for most states, 5.7 million for most states, okay? So now we talked about uh, things that need to be made a beneficiary of that we talked about retirement accounts, we said life insurance, and then money owed to you, right? So if you got ill or injured from like a car accident or you got um, or medical malpractice issue or just any someone owes you money, period, um, your trustee should will be able to collect on that. And so you want to make sure that your trust benefits from receiving those assets in um, whatever way. So your trust would be the beneficiary. You might want to have if there's a lawsuit, you want to have the attorneys who are dealing with that to be um, in the know of that so that they could make sure that that happens. And um, finally, some things without a formal title that you want to make sure gets transferred to your trust it gets kind of tricky with these. So we're talking about like if you own gold, um, I know some people buy gold or silver um, or if you have, you know, um, jewelry, um, antiques, uh, collectibles, those type of things, because they typically don't have a title. It's kind of hard to transfer it. So what we do is we typically do an, an assignment, which we just draw up a document that basically is going to say that all of these, you know, particular items are assigned to your trust. So that's the sort of legal function that we use. Um, if it's something that's extremely valuable, like say it's like, you know, um, a collectible car. Um, I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but <laughs> like, a, you know, a car that's that's maybe old and um, has a whole bunch of value, like over 100000 or whatever the case is, probably want to do what's called a bill of sale to just, even if it's for $0 or $1 to the trust so that we have a more of a concrete way of um, transferring that ownership, right? And um, in a car, actually, you have title, you have a title to that. So you could actually, you know, change that. But, you know, it could be jewelry, you know, some sort of jewelry that you have that's, you know, highly valued. 
And so those that's basically it, guys. Those are the types of assets that you could transfer to your trust. That's how you could transfer them. I hope I did not confuse you <laughs> along the way. So again, we talked about things that you would transfer to your trust, like your bank account, your real estate, your investment account, uh, your business um, interests, whether it's corporate or LLC, and any other rights that go along with that. Air rights, mineral rights, oil rights, you know, if you're into real estate, you'll know. And then things that you want to make the beneficiary of your trust, which is your retirement accounts, your life insurance generally, annuities, and um, money or any lawsuit, you know, rights that are owed to you. And then finally, what you're also going to transfer. This is like your third category where um, it's kind of um, things that don't really have a title to it is uh, you're going to assign to the trust, right? Okay, I hope that was clear. So we talked about trust funding today. I hope it was clear for you. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.